How you doing this morning? Are you ready this morning? Are you happy this morning? Man, I know that, that, that family time's fun, isn't it? Oh, man. Listen, man, can we just give God a hand for the worship this morning? He's in the building. He's here. Amen. And if he's here, that all it's all that matters, right? Man, I I I, I came this morning with some really, really good news. You are you ready for real good news? You ought to be on the edge of your seat this morning. There's a lot of bad news out there. I brought good news. And the good news is that Christ Jesus was crucified for you. He was crucified on your behalf. He hung on a cross and shed his precious, powerful blood and won the victory over everything. And his victory gets to be your victory because he didn't go to the cross for himself. He went to the cross for you. Isn't that good news? Everything that he did was on your behalf. His victory is yours. I just really, I feel like that victory is in the room. And his name is Jesus. There's 1 Corinthians 15, 57. It's one of my favorite scriptures. It says, thanks be to God who gives us the victory over sin, death, and everything in between through Jesus Christ. It's like Jesus did all the work. He lived our perfect life for us. He was sinless. He went to the cross. He he got what we deserved. He won the victory, yet God turns around and crowns us as the victorious ones. Everything he says and everything he does is for you and I. Isn't that an amazing father? I just just feel like, man, man, Jesus wants to penetrate your hearts this morning with victory. I feel like he wants to penetrate your body with victory this morning. I feel like he wants to penetrate depression with victory this morning. I feel like he wants to penetrate anxiety with victory this morning. There is nothing that you can be faced with that he hasn't already won the victory over. There's no problem you can have that God doesn't already have a solution for. I'm telling you that I've experienced it. And I'm beginning to experience it on a daily basis. I feel like he wants to penetrate our lives this morning and we leave. Listen, you didn't show up for nothing this morning. Get ready. You ought to be on the edge of your seat. He's so real. He's so real. That's not necessarily my message, but it, it sure does apply. It came out. I, I, I tell you what's on my heart this morning. I want to talk about the harvest and the power of the Holy Spirit. I know you're all super surprised. I'm shocked that Wes would talk about the harvest field and the power of the Holy Spirit, right? <laughs> Woo! I, I cannot explain to you in words. I'm going to do my best. I cannot explain to you in words what's been happening in my life every day. As the Holy Spirit has just been showing me how plentiful the harvest is and how powerful he is. The harvest and the Holy Spirit go hand in hand. And it's been changing my life. And I've not just been knowing it and hearing it from the Holy Spirit. I've been stepping out and experiencing it, and it's changed my life. When I tell you that I'm hooked, I'm addicted to Jesus Christ and what he's called us to, I'm addicted. I'm hooked. 
the, the, the harvest. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 9, he tells his disciples, he says, the harvest is plentiful. Pray that the Lord would send out laborers into the harvest field. Y'all, if the harvest was, if there was ever a time for the harvest to be plentiful, now is the time. It's just, it was plentiful then, it's just as plentiful now. Everybody look at me. People around us every day are desperate for an encounter with the love of God. I've been seeing it. That people are looking for something that's right. They're looking for something that's real. They're looking for something bigger. They're looking for something more powerful. They're tired of being tired. They're tired of being faced with this coronavirus and not knowing what to do other than to be afraid. People don't know what to do with it. People are tired of being afraid. They're looking for the kind of perfect love that casts out fear. People are longing and desperate for a love encounter with God. And for a lot of people, they don't know it yet until we introduce them to them. And when we introduce them to God, they go, man, this is what I've been looking for and longing for. I've been grasping for the wind and everything else. Boom, Jesus is the answer. There is a Jesus-shaped size hole in every person's life. In Ecclesiastes, it says that God planted eternity in the hearts of mankind. Everybody on this planet is longing and looking for the kind of eternal things that only God can give them. And if you have him, you get to give him away and show them what they're looking for. People are desperate. Y'all, and I, I want to tell you, it's so, e- it's so much easier than you think it is. I, I literally, you just have to ask people. I, I saw four people give their life to Christ this week just because I asked them, hey, is there ever been a time where you gave Jesus your life? No. Would you like to? Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> I'm serious. I promise. And I share the quick gospel with them, man. I talk about how powerful the blood of Jesus is. It's not what they do, but what Jesus did. How amazing God's grace is. And if they'll believe in their heart and they'll open up their mouth, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And right there, Jesus comes storming in and their life has a meaning. And I get to go, now you have something worth living for. I looked at a a boy in his face. He said, would you please pray for my mom? She has seizures. So we prayed for his mom. And then before I left, I said, have you ever given your life to this God we just prayed to? No, would you like to, please? And do you know that now you have something worth living for? Do you know that God's not out to get you? He's here to help you. He's not far. He's close. He's not distant. He's personal. He's not a religion. He's a relationship. You have something worth living for. The cross does not reveal how sinful you are. It reveals how in love the Father is with you. And now you can know that what Jesus has for you is so good. So don't look to the right and to the left. Run with him and you'll experience an abundant life. Who doesn't want that? Especially now in our day. People are tired of not having any peace. People can smell fake a mile away. It is so much easier to be the church and try to get people to come to church. People are looking for the real thing. They're desperate for a loving kind with God. The harvest is so plentiful. But the key... To seeing that harvest come in is the spirit and his power. If you don't have the Holy Spirit and his power, you'll take it upon yourself to try to make something happen that's ultimately already happened. You'll depend more upon you than you do upon him. And he's actually the key to seeing the great commission fulfilled. The harvest is plentiful and the spirit is the key to bringing it in. But the reason we have the spirit and power is so that we can bring in the harvest. They go hand in hand. Church, look at me. I want to remind you of something this morning. You ready? I didn't come to pat you on the back this morning. I came to bring the truth. Are you ready? 
I'm not being mean, but if I, I wouldn't love you very well if I didn't bring the truth. We have been called as the church. I'm not talking about just here to rise as the church, as sons and daughters. We have been called to set the tone and set the precedence in the culture that we live in. It is not supposed to be the other way around. There's a lot happening in our culture and our society. Some we agree with, a lot we disagree with. There's a lot happening, but the culture is not supposed to influence us. As the church, we're supposed to rise up and influence the culture. We're not supposed to be a, a thermometer. We're supposed to be a thermostat. We set the temperature in our culture, in our society, in our sphere of influence, at our jobs, in our city, and ultimately this nation. Church, look at me, man. We have an opportunity of a lifetime. We've been called to set the temperature, set the tone, set the precedence. If there was ever a time to stand on the truth of God's word and not come off, now is the time. Stand on the promise of God's word and don't change the subject. Now is not the time to water down the gospel and pat people on the back so that they feel better. Jesus didn't pay a price for people to feel better. He paid a price for people to experience the best. Now is not the time to water down the gospel or to compromise the truth. Now is the time for us as a church to rise up, to release the truth from such a place of love that it leads people not into a counterfeit freedom, but the true liberty that they've been longing for. And its name is Jesus Christ. Y'all, look at me, church. We're supposed to be different. Did you know that? The Bible says we're supposed to be set apart. It doesn't mean that we're better than anyone. It just means that we believe that what Jesus paid for is so much better than what the world offers. The world offers momentary, temporary pleasure that will never fulfill or satisfy that will leave you desperate looking for an encounter with the love of God. Are you with me? We're supposed to be different, man. There is so much that how in the world, I got to know, I just need to know. How in the world does a virus called the corona take up front and center stage in our society? How in the world did that happen when we as believers know who already won the victory over it? How, what, 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 I'm going to tell you, everybody look at me right here. This coronavirus is from the devil himself. And as the church, we get to know that the devil's already been defeated. So we get to rise up, partner with Jesus, and release his victory until this thing is out of here. People go, it's just going to be around. Come on, church. People, West, man, it is a real thing. I know it's a real thing, but the blood of Jesus is a real thing too. At some point we got to be more dependent upon Jesus and his blood and his power than we do anything else in this world. Wes, a few weeks ago, you had coronavirus. What do you say to that? What's your point? Nothing's changed about who my Savior is. He's my king, and he's the healer, and he's won the victory. So I will partner with him until this thing is out of here. Are you with me this morning? Church, it's time to rise and shine. There's so many other things, man. That people are still ranting and raving about Black Lives Matter. Oh, it got real quiet. <laughs> what are we doing? We got to get over ourselves and get on the Jesus bus. <laughs> Listen to me. This, this week, I prayed for black person after black person after African American after African American after black person after black person. And I saw them encounter the love of God. And in that moment, they realized, man, my life really does matter. 
Not because of a statement or a movement, but because they encountered the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Look at me, church. Jesus is the one that unifies us. He's the answer. He's the solution. I'm screaming. I'm passionate. I've seen it. How plentiful the harvest is. We got to get over this stuff, man, and run with Jesus. You're either in or you're out. Up or down. Right or left. There is no straddling the fence. Are you with me this morning? Now is the time. If there's ever been a time, now is the time to walk by faith and not by sight. If you start, as believers, if you start living by sight, you'll get discouraged and you'll end up getting influenced by the wrong things. Now's the time to bring 2 Corinthians 5, 7 into fruition, man. We get to walk by faith and not by sight. It's one thing to believe in God. You wouldn't be here if you didn't believe in him, that he is who he says he is. But it's a whole other thing and as equally as important as to where we place our faith. I got faith in God. That's great. Where's your faith? Our faith cannot be in an outcome or what we're believing him for or the breakthrough that we need. Our faith must be in him. So that our past or previous experience, the breakthrough we haven't or haven't seen, doesn't change who he is. Do you understand? And so if he doesn't change, I don't change the subject. I continue to step out in faith because I believe that he is who he says he is and what Jesus accomplished on the cross. Are you with me? The lack of healing or breakthrough in your life or through your life does not determine the nature, character, or will of God. His character is that he is good. His nature is that he always heals. And his will is found in the word. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And his name is Jesus Christ. And in John 6, 38, Jesus said, I came not to do my will, but to do the will of the Father. And every storm he was in, he calmed. And every sick person he prayed for, they were healed. And that same Jesus lives inside of you and I through the agency of Holy Spirit and power so that we can pick up where he left off and continue to walk by faith and not by sight. Did you get that? Our faith must be in him. Wes, why is it that you pray for some people and they don't get healed and others they do? I don't know. But I know that nothing's changed about who the father is. As a matter of fact, the breakthrough that I don't see actually invites me to cry out for more and even step out more. The ones who are seeing miracles are the ones who are willing to continue to step out despite what they've seen previously, but because they know who the father is. And we're not willing to change the subject. Look at me, church. Now's the time, man. To walk by faith and not by sight. Now it's not the time to run and hide and play it safe. If you are feeling led to wait this thing out, there's a lot happening around us. If you're feeling led to kind of, to kind of you might not call it running and hiding and sort of playing it safe, you are not being led by the Father. I'm not being mean. It would be so easy for Christians right now to stay inside of their homes, to play it safe. I'm going to let this all blow over, man. I'm going to let, man, let's let, let, get, let people get some ground out there. We'll just see what happens. Listen to me. We, we've been called to arise and shine. You can't run and hide. The Bible says, arise and shine for the light has come. And his name is Jesus. And then Jesus in Matthew chapter 5, 14 and 15 says, hey, and now because I live in you, you're the light of the world. You're a city on a hill. Arise, let your light shine so that people around you may see your good deeds. When we arise and shine, the people around us encounter how good God is. And they realize this is who I've been desperate for. You got the answer. You got the solution. Don't hide it from anybody. 
Now's not the time to run and hide. I'm not saying be stupid, but don't run and hide. Now's not the time to stay in the boat and look over the edge and hope everything works out okay. Now's the time to get out and walk on the water with Jesus. He is inviting you and I to partner with him to change the world right now. If you are playing it safe, you're being led by the wrong thing. We're not supposed to play it safe. Watch. Just because you play it safe doesn't actually mean that you're safe. You're safe because you live in the arms of the Father. And everywhere you go, you're in his arms. Two weeks ago, I'm in my basement and I'm praying and encountering God. And the Holy Spirit speaks to me. He says, Wes, the safest place that you could be right now is on the front lines with God. So clearly. And he said, Wes, the safest thing that you can do is partner with him to push his kingdom forward. Your idea and version of playing it safe is not God's. We're safe because we're in his arms. The safest place you can be is on the front lines, man. You understand that we're warriors? And warriors need a battlefield. And if we don't have a battlefield, we'll turn on one another. Jesus Christ, look at me, church. Jesus Christ is inviting you and I to partner with him to be a part of something so special. Are you in or you out? And I'm telling you, it's so fun. I'm really intense this morning, but it's so fun and so relaxed and so easy because it's not about me. It's about Christ in me and the power of the Spirit through me. The harvest and the Spirit go hand in hand. It's, hey, do you want to get saved today? I thought you'd never ask. <laughs> hey, do you have pain in your body? Yeah, can I pray for you? Watch this, boom, gone. The more, uh, the more and more you step out, the more you see, and the more you see, the bigger and bigger your faith become. But if you're never willing to step out because you're afraid of what won't happen, you won't ever see anything happen. Look, the safest place we can be is on the front lines. The safest thing we can do is to partner with God right now in this season. You think about uh, David and Bathsheba and her husband Uriah. You remember that story? David is supposed to be on the front lines in the battlefield. What did David decide to do? I'm going to stay in the palace and play it safe. He's supposed to be in the battlefield. That's what he's called to. He stays in the palace to play it safe, and he sees Bathsheba, and he not only commits adultery with her, he ends up murdering her husband on the battlefield that he's supposed to be on. You play it safe, at some point you'll find your Bathsheba. The safest place you can be is on the front lines with God, partner with him to change the world. Don't you play it safe. You're safe because you're in the arms of the Father. Are you with me this morning? I'm sweating. I'm about to run out that door. And if you'll come with me, we'll have church out there. What did Jesus say in, in, when he gave the Great Commission? In, in uh, Mark 16, 15, and this will be the text that we keep coming back to this morning. He tells his disciples, uh, go and preach the good news to all creation. Notice that he didn't say, go and preach the good news to all creation. And whatever you do, just be safe. <laughs> Please. I want you to release this thing, but just be safe. No. He actually says the opposite. If you read between the lines and the context clues, and we have the privilege of reading ahead and seeing what happened to the disciples, he actually said this. Go and preach the good news to all creation, and by the way, you will die while you do it. Real comforting. You will give your life for this thing. But see, here's where the spirit and power comes into play. You ready? Look at me, church. The spirit is a game changer. 
He's the key to this thing. See, I believe with all my heart when when the disciples were filled with the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, I believe they were no longer worried about when they were going to die or how they were going to die or what it was going to look like. All they could think about is now I get to live my best life. The Spirit changes everything. I believe when they were filled with the Spirit, I believe the disciples came to this realization, I don't care when, when, how, where I die. All that I care about is that I get to be fully alive. Now I have a purpose for being alive. Now I get to give this thing away and be a part of the greatest thing in the history of our world. Now I actually have meaning. Now I can fulfill what the Father has sent me to ultimately do. The Spirit changes everything. And I also believe that when the disciples were filled with the Holy Spirit and power, they had this moment. See, the Holy Spirit, man, he brings everything together. See, one of the roles of the Holy Spirit is to, is to show us and teach us things that, that Jesus teaches us in his word. He helps it make sense, not just up here, but right here. See, in the book of John 14, 26 and 27, Jesus tells his disciples, hey, the Holy Spirit's going to teach you new things, and he's going to remind you of everything that I've already taught you. I say, I don't know that they got that quite yet until they feel with the Holy Spirit. In John 16, 14, Jesus says, the Holy Spirit's going to bring glory to me by taking what is mine and making it known to you. See, I don't think they got that until they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And then the moment they were filled with the Holy Spirit, I believe they realized, oh my gosh, man, the Spirit really brings everything together. I don't care if and why, when, how I die, I get to be fully alive. And I think they also begin to realize, oh, now I know what Jesus was talking about in John eleven twenty six, 26, when Jesus says, whoever believes in me will live and never die. I believe when they were filled with the Holy Spirit, they realized, oh my gosh, the worst thing that could ever happen to us is that we get to live forever. To live is for Christ and to die is gain. And so all of a sudden they realize, now I can really live. Now I'm not afraid of anything. Let's go because I can never die anyway. Are you with me this morning? See, I believe the Spirit brings everything together. He takes what is Jesus's and he makes it known to us. Okay, look, let's walk through this. Let's walk through Pentecost. And then let's get filled with the Holy Ghost this morning. You ready? So Jesus is crucified. Three days later, he resurrects. And then in Acts chapter 1, it says there's a 40-day period where Jesus walks to earth with his disciples. And within that 40 days, he gives the disciples the assignment, the great commission. Okay, and so he gives the great commission. And then you also have to keep this in mind. And Acts chapter 1 sort of indicates this. Jesus gives the great commission, and then he's out of here. Right? As a matter of fact, there are some passages that actually indicate that he's given the great commission as he's elevating to go and be back with his father, okay? So, so you got to think about this. If I'm the disciples, like there was not a big questioning and answering time with Jesus before he ascended, right? I'm sure they talked. But I, if Jesus gives this big assignment and then ascends, I'm one of the disciples thinking, that's crazy. How are we going to do this? Because the disciples also keep this in mind. They know that Jesus is not going to be there long. They know he's going to ascend and go back with the Father. And so if here would be a question if I was Peter or John or one of them. I would ask Jesus if I would have had the opportunity. Real simple. Jesus, how are we going to do this without you? I mean, I mean it's real simple. Nobody's going to listen to what we have to say. Nobody's going to give us the time of day. 
but if we had you, man, we could show them the nail-scarred feet, the nail-scarred hands. They would see that you were crucified and now you're alive. They might actually give us the time of day and you could do what you do and we can watch and if you need our help, we'll jump in. We could basically pick up where we left off before you were crucified. Come on, we had a good thing going. Let's change the world. And Jesus goes, that ain't how it's going down. So here's how Jesus would respond to that question that wasn't asked, but I asked it. We, we read about it in Acts chapter 1. Jesus gives the Great Commission, and then he says, before you fulfill the assignment, wait in Jerusalem. The Spirit is coming, and when you receive the Spirit, you will receive power so that you can be my witnesses in Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Wait. The Spirit's coming, and then you're going to realize I'm going to be with you in a way that you've never experienced before. Woo! Hey, I feel it right now. I'm telling you, he's with us. He, he says in the Great Commission in Matthew 28, he says, Lo, I am with you. I'm marching. Okay, so watch. Go change the world. Wait, the Spirit's coming. See ya. Now, the disciples are in the upper room, and they're scared to death because the Spirit hadn't come yet. It's like, that's great, Jesus. We got this assignment. You're telling us that the Spirit's coming, but, like, he ain't come yet. And so we don't know. I mean, they're afraid for their lives. And I want you to, to, to know this too. Several times throughout the New Testament, Jesus describes the Spirit as the comforter. Okay, so in John chapter 16, verse 14, Jesus says, I will ask the Father and he will send you another comforter. In John 16, 7, Jesus says, it is to your advantage that I go because when I go, the comforter will come. At some point, the 120 in that upper room of Jerusalem, somebody, maybe it was Peter, had to have stood up and said, hey, hey, this is not in the Bible, by the way. I'm just putting myself in it and just thinking. At some point, somebody said, hey, you remember one of the ways Jesus described the spirit that he's talking about that's coming is that's the comforter. We're all about to be really comforted in this place right now. Maybe it brought a little more life to the room, right? Have you ever noticed when the Spirit came, the manifestations of the Spirit looked nothing like comfort? <laughs> they didn't. In Acts 2, it actually describes the Spirit as a mighty rushing, a gale force wind. Splitting, dividing itself like flaming tongues of fire and landing on their head. Nothing about that seems comforting. Listen, comforting for me is sitting on the couch and Caroline coming to scratch my back and us watching an episode of Heartland. While eating a chocolate chip cookie fixed cookie and a glass of milk. That, my friends, is comforting. Not a gale force wind. Not dividing like a flaming tongue of fire. But that's how he came. And I would like to suggest when he landed on them, they felt the most comfort they've ever felt in their entire life. I believe when they were filled... 
with the Holy Spirit that they knew in that moment, oh, Jesus is with me. I believe when they were filled with the Holy Spirit, they knew in that moment, man, I, whatever, any question I have for Jesus, I ain't got it no more. This is going to be better caught than it is taught. This is going to be a better experience than it is explained. This is not about what I do and where I go. This is who I am and who I carry. I believe when they were filled with the Holy Spirit because he's a game changer. When they were filled with the Holy Spirit, I believe with all my heart, they go, man, it's over. And if I step out, he steps out. And if I go, he'll flow. And I'll open up my mouth, and it won't be me speaking. It'll be him speaking for me. I believe when they were filled that they remembered in Matthew 10, 21. See, the Spirit brings everything together. I believe they remembered in Matthew 10, 21. Jesus gave them this assignment. Hey, I want you to go and do this. And he allowed them to operate under the umbrella of his anointing. They didn't have their own power yet. So they headed off, and Jesus says, hey, by the way. It ain't going to be you speaking. It's going to be the Spirit of my Father speaking through you. And I believe when they receive the Spirit in their own power, they go, oh, I get what he was talking about. The Spirit changes everything. He is the key. He is the answer to everything we could ever be faced with and to this harvest that we're supposed to bring in. Are you with me? Sure. (laughs) You know what one of my favorite passages is? In the whole uh, Pentecost uh, set of scriptures in Acts 1 and 2, this is going to surprise you. It's Acts chapter 2, verse 14. It says, the disciples are filled with the Holy Spirit. It says, and then Peter stood up. Hey, look at me, church. Let me tell you something. It it starts with the touch. It starts with being filled. It starts with getting slain, whatever you want to call it, fresh feeling, whatever. At some point, you get up. And you address the crowds. That's my favorite scripture. Maybe in the Bible, I say that a lot. <laughs> At least right now it is. They're filled. See, the point of the Spirit is not for you to stay down, it's for you to get up and address the crowds. At some point, we get up and turn loose what we've been given. We encounter God so we can be an encounter. Woo! At some point, we don't keep it right here. We go so that other people can have what we have, and we want them to have what we have because we love them. And we love them because he first loved us, and we put that love into action, and we afford the Holy Spirit an opportunity to do what he was said to do. Well, at some point, we step out so we can experience not just the same things Jesus did, even greater. I'm sure the disciples wanted to go, Jesus, what is the even greater things? You know what the even greater things are? See, Jesus didn't answer that question. He waited till they were filled with the Spirit. They wouldn't even have a question. The greater things are not for us to know. They're for us to experience. You step out, and you'll see the greater things. Oh! Are you ready? Then Peter stood up. Oh, I believe that Peter had to stand up for two reasons. The first reason is, I believe before he was hit with the Holy Spirit, I believe he was on the ground because he was scared to death. Then the Spirit comes and pins him down even more. Then he's filled with power and he goes, whoo, and he stands up and he shares the gospel. Man, God's going to pour that Spirit on all flesh. And young men will have visions, and old men will dream dreams, and the young and old, maidservants alike, children, they will all prophesy. And whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And that day, it said 3,000 people were added to the kingdom of God. Everybody look at me right here. The point of the Spirit coming and filling us up is so that 3,000 can be added. It is not so that you can speak in tongues. 
People coming to me, Wes, will you pray for me to be filled with the Spirit so I can have my, my unknown language? I will not. I will pray for you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And by the way, Jesus is the one that dips you in that liquid fire, not me. I will pray, and all you have to do is receive. The Holy Spirit's a gift. It's not something to be achieved. It's a gift to be received. Here's what you need to know about the filling of the Holy Spirit. It's available. That's it. People come up to me, Wes, I've, I've asked so many times that I haven't felt anything in my field. How do you know you're not already filled? You won't know until you step out and try. Then you'll see how loaded you really are. It is not so that we can have the gifts of the Spirit and speak. You want to speak in tongues? Just open up your mouth. It's a byproduct of the Spirit. I speak in tongues every day, almost all day, to the point where Jethro, when I'm in the living room in the morning speaking in tongues, he follows me going, Shabbat, He has no idea what he's doing, but he just sees Daddy doing it. Tongues is for you and your intimate personal relationship with God through worship, intercession, and your own edification. Come on, that's not the point of being filled. The point of being filled is so you would stand up and address the crowds so that your preaching is not with wise or persuasive words, but by the demonstration of the Spirit's power. The Spirit came so that people could be saved, healed, and set free. Come on, man. He addressed the crowds. 3,000 were added that day. I'm running out of time real fast. Look, one of the things I want you to see this morning is that everything takes place through the Spirit. Jesus did nothing. Jesus performed no miracle apart from the Spirit and His power. The Holy Spirit was active in every phase of Jesus' life. The Holy Spirit and power came over Mary and she conceived a child named Jesus. I mean, he was there from the beginning. Nothing happens outside of the Holy Spirit and his power. Before Jesus even began his ministry, in Matthew chapter 3, John the Baptist pulls him up out of the Jordan River and it says the heavens open up and the Spirit of God descended upon him like a dove and then he began his public ministry. And the book of John actually takes it further and says that spirit that I saw descend upon Jesus, he stayed there and never left. He stayed. He continued to rest upon him. In Acts 10, 38, uh, Jesus says, uh, or it says, God anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit and power. And then he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. In Luke 4, 18 and 19, Jesus says, For I have been anointed by the Spirit and power so that I can preach the good news to the poor, so that I can uh, heal the oppressed. Recover sight for the blind and proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. It's every, it's the spirit, you guys. It's the spirit. And if Jesus needed to be filled with the Holy Spirit to get his results, how much more do we need it? Yes. You want the same results Jesus got? We need that same spirit. And the Bible is clear that the same spirit and power that was upon him gets to be on us. And the Bible's also clear that Jesus is the one that actually baptizes us in that spirit and fire. In Matthew chapter 3, John the Baptist says, there's one that's coming after me whose sandals I'm not fit to tie. I baptize with water, but he baptizes with the spirit and with fire. Fire. You know what that fire is? It's power. So that we can be all that God's called us to greet us to be. So we can arise and shine. So that we can influence the culture and the culture wouldn't influence us. 
so that we would run with Jesus with a reckless abandonment and not be afraid to die because to live is for Christ and to die is gain. So we would never be afraid ever again in our life. So that we would know when we step out, he steps out. When we go, man, he moves. Oh my gosh, y'all. We step out in faith with love in our heart and the spirit meets their desperation and powerful things take place because the world is desperate for an encounter with God. Are you with me? Are you ready? Do you want it? L- listen, man, I, we're, I, we're just going to pray in a second. And if you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit for the first time, all you have to do is ask. God doesn't withhold. Listen, the Spirit is not like a reward at the end of a, ra- a race. We need the Spirit before the race starts so we can run it the way He's called us to. He's a gift that God pours out. All you have to do is ask. Jesus, fill me. I think a lot of people are looking for different kinds of manifestations. And I'm just telling you, there are different manifestations, but the same spirit. I'll never forget going to Ron Arbonke's school of evangelism. And I went through his little little uh, fire tunnel and he laid his hands on me and he said, fire of God. This man is the world changer. I didn't feel a single thing. All that I know is that when I left, everything looked different. Everything felt different. And I was so possessed with love, man. And I began to see a result when I would step out and pray for people. It was after that that I would say I began to feel. I'm not a feeler anyway, but I just want to make sure you understand that sometimes when you receive a touch or a feeling, man, sometimes it looks like tears. Sometimes it looks like you just encountering the peace of God. Sometimes it looks like you shouting. Sometimes it looks like you jumping up and down. Sometimes it looks like you being a fish out of water. But don't compare because it's the same spirit. If you want it, you got it. If you want it, come and get it. Jesus is here with his arms open wide, ready to dip you in that liquid fire so that your life is never the same in the world either. Wes, I've asked so many times, why haven't I gotten it? How do you know you haven't? We'll pray again. If you've already been filled, you're not a leaky vessel that needs to be topped off. It's not a repeated thing, but neither is it a once and for all thing. There's more. You want a fresh touch, a fresh feeling, whatever you want to call it, there is more. Oh, no. I could have lost it just then. I got the spirit of self-control. I'm not kidding. I ain't up here to put on a show, man. I'm up here to bring the truth of God's word, man. I'm not kidding. Okay, hey pops. Oh my dad. Man, let's all just stand up. I don't really know what to do except go for it. There's, there's the harvest, and there's the Holy Spirit and power, and they go hand in hand. We have been called to this thing, but it requires the spirit and power. So look, all we're going to do, man, is as we listen to this worship song, if you want to be filled for the first time, if you want a fresh touch, whatever you need, if you need healing in your body, 
If you, whatever you need, then we're going to ask Jesus, man, to come and release his victory and baptize us afresh in the Holy Spirit and fire, okay? So just right now, just get along with Jesus. Just begin to talk to him. Just begin to tell you that you love him. Just begin to tell you that you're hungry for more of him. Come on. If you need to come forward, just come forward right now. If you want a fresh touch, just come forward right now. If you want a fresh feeling, come forward right now. Get out of your seats. Come on. Come get on your face right now. Come on. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Come on, 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 come on. The Holy Ghost is here. The Holy Ghost is here. He's in love with us. And with his love comes power. With his love comes fire. Come on. Come on. Just cry out. Jesus, baptize us afresh this morning. Jesus, fill us up afresh this morning. Jesus, fill us up afresh this morning. Fresh touch, a fresh feeling this morning. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.